Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our series, That You May Believe, A Journey Through the Gospel of John, which means we are also working our way through the third chapter of John's Gospel. We will be working our way through the first 15 verses of chapter 3 in our sermon, but we encourage you to read the entire chapter at home on your own. You can find chapter 3 in its entirety under the On Your Own Reading section of our app or on our website, ccgf.org. Leading us through our sermon today is our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Here he is with his message. Thank you for listening. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Nicodemus. And as we receive what you have to say to us this morning, pierce our hearts. Help us to not leave this morning simply knowing who you are. But help us to know who you say you are. And help us to believe in who you are. And we thank you that you hold us in your hand. And all of God's people said Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, we had an incredible uh, Friday night here at the church with our daddy-daughter dance. And for those of you that got to play a part of that and be there for that, I thank God for you. It was so encouraging to see over a hundred fathers from all different ages showing up to be the men of God that God called them to be. Amen. Come on. Yeah, baby. We can say it. It was good. Our daughters, our children need to see us as grandparents and parents being the people of God that we're called to be. Broken and messed up people who understand that God is good. Amen. So praise God for Friday night and we look forward to showing you some pictures next week. But this morning as you came in, you received your your service sheets and we're going to be in the book of John. And... You know, the Bible tells us in season and out of season, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And 11 o'clock last night, I got that call. (laughs) But this is all good, because we're talking about John 3 this morning. And I've jokingly told everybody as a preacher, if you can't preach John 3, you've got to get out of the business. (laughs) Because this is one of the most incredible messages that you'll ever hear this morning. Not because of my words, but because whose words they are. In 2005, my wife was very pregnant in the month of August. A couple days from the moment I'm going to tell you about, we would give birth to our son, Brandon. I was volunteering for a ministry called Hockey Ministries International, HMI. And what we did was I worked with a group of professional ice hockey players, such as John Pronovo, former Pittsburgh Penguin, Mike Rupp, former Pittsburgh Penguin. We worked with John Van Beesbrook, a guy named Lori Boschman. And what we would do is we would work with youth not only on the fundamentals of ice hockey, but we would also teach them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was one other guy who was on our team who, to be honest with you, I was a little starstruck over because growing up as a kid, I watched this guy play hockey all the time. His name is Troy Loney. Now, Troy is an incredible lover of Jesus. He's a great man of God. And to kick off our night as counselors and people working at the camp, Troy invited us all to come over to his house for dinner. And so I remember we're talking, and he has this beautiful little farmhouse, and he's got this tennis court that he converted into a, to a, like a deck hockey rink for his kids. And, and I remember as I'm talking to Troy and a couple of other people, his son Ty had a rock in his hand, and he was tossing it up in the air at this bee's nest. And it was probably about yay high. It wasn't very high off the ground. And, 
And I'm sitting there talking to Troy, and, and um, he said, hey, leave that thing alone. And so the kids left it alone, and they started playing hockey. Well, in the midst of playing hockey, one of the kids apparently went to hit the puck and hit the bee's nest in his windup. And, in, and we're t- I'm talking to Troy Loney here in this moment, and all I hear out of the background is, Dad, the bees! And Troy says, excuse me, and starts running as fast as he can. He knows where this bee's nest is, and I thought Troy Loney was a bad man before this moment. I watch as this father leaps up in the air, grabs the branch that the beehive is on, he snaps it out, grabs the beehive like a football, and persists to run it into the woods. Are you kidding me? Did this just happen? We see Troy run through the woods, he chucks the bee's nest, and just kept running. As a dad, I'm getting ready to become a dad, I started thinking to myself, is this what parenthood is? Two seconds later, Troy comes back. Her guys, what's happening? And he's just swelled up as all can be. Took out a beehive that he didn't stir and took on that punishment. That is what parenthood, isn't it, church? That's what love is. Love is truly sacrificing for others, even sometimes when it wasn't the hive that you stirred. My daughters developed this really weird habit at night. And parents, you can relate. Where... It'll be in the midst of our deepest sleep when all of a sudden my dad's senses go off. I heard a noise in the house and I open my eyes and there's my daughter's face about six inches from me. And as my eyes open, she goes, Dad, and I freak out. Have you ever had that moment? It's horrifying. It's like a Stephen King novel when your child is right there by your face and my wife will lean over and she'll say, I got this. And I Watch as my wife, regardless of the hour, regardless of how dark it may be, she'll grab my daughter and she'll say, what's going on, Becca? And she'll meet this need in a way that is just so loving. I want to kick a dog in that moment. I'm so frustrated. Not really. Okay, maybe. That's what parenthood is. That's what love is. Love is sacrificing. It's being inconvenienced. And when we come to the Bible today in the book of John, John 3 specifically, we find Jesus Christ in this very unique moment. He's come into town for Passover. And what's happened is is he's encountered some folks at the temple who were selling stuff for their own profit. And so we all know the story. Jesus flips over some tables. He makes a whip and he drives them out of his dad's house. And he says, what are you doing? This is the house of God. So you might say that Jesus came into town and created a little bit of a scene. One might even say he stirred a little beehive, right? Following that, the Word of God tells us that Jesus then went on to perform miraculous signs and miracles, and people came to believe in in the fact that he was a person from God. But Jesus says in this moment, he knows that these people aren't surrendered to him yet because he knows where man's heart is. You see, what happens is, is many times in our lives, we encounter people, they know who Jesus is, but they haven't encountered Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. In fact, we might have some people here this morning in that very boat. We come to this epic moment. The Bible says it's at night. And there's a man by the name of Nicodemus who's a Pharisee. And he's not just a Pharisee, he's a Sanhedrin. 
And for those of you that don't know what a Sanhedrin is, let me tell you, the Sanhedrin come from, they can be dated back all the way to the time of Moses. There were 70 elders that led alongside of Moses, and and these elders would later become the Sanhedrin, and in the time of Jesus, there would have been 71 of them, because one of them actually would have been the chief priest. These Sanhedrin are on the same level as the chief priest. They're a big deal, in case you're not catching it. They're the super Jews, so to speak. So we have this man, Nicodemus, who is a Sanhedrin. In fact, the Sanhedrin are so powerful, they have all authority except for one thing in the Roman Empire, even. The only thing that they can't dish out as far as a consequence or a punishment for a crime is they can't deal out capital death or capital punishment. They can't execute anybody. Which is why later we'll see the Sanhedrin go before Pilate to ask for permission to kill Jesus. They're a big deal. And you've got this man, Nicodemus, who somewhere along the line has seen something that Jesus has done. And in his heart, something's stirring. He's heard the name Jesus. He he even at this moment thinks that he might be somebody from God. But he's got to get the question answered because he's just not sure. And so what Nicodemus does is in the cover of night so that nobody will see him. I mean, can you imagine if one of the Sanhedrin, this is a big political figure, this is a big deal. Can you imagine if he's seen with his local kook named Jesus? He couldn't afford to be seen with Jesus. And so it says here in John 3 that there was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, and no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So in this moment, we see quite a bit. We see Nicodemus comes at night to hide. But when we look at the book of John, and we look at the usage of the word light and darkness, very often in this book, light and darkness is not necessarily even just dealing with the time of day, but it's dealing with the condition of the heart. So when it says in the word of God that Nicodemus came at night, there's a double meaning there. He calls Jesus rabbi. And so right here we recognize that Nicodemus is honoring Jesus by calling him rabbi. He's recognizing that there's something special about this Jesus guy, but he's not willing to fully embrace it yet. He says, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He goes on, and then Jesus replies to him. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, when we hear that, we can make sense of that. But to somebody who's hearing that for the first time, who doesn't have the pages of John to turn to, if somebody tells you you have to be born again, that is going to sound really weird. It's going to sound really out there. And so you can imagine Nicodemus' bewilderment as he's hearing these words from Jesus. And he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now, when Jesus says these words, we can quickly miss this because, you see, 
Who was Nicodemus? He was a Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. He knew the Torah. He knew the Old Testament. He knew his scriptures. And so when Jesus says those very specific words that you have to be born of water and of spirit, Jesus is actually quoting the book of Ezekiel to him. And in fact, it's in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. It says this, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in this moment, Jesus quotes this to Nicodemus and that's what he hears. So in this moment, Nicodemus' mind is blown because of several things. Because what Jesus just said to him is, You're trying to follow the law, Nicodemus. You are following this legalistic mindset when the reality is nobody will come to the Father unless I've washed them clean. He's talking to a man that has dedicated his life to working his way into the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying in this moment, it is not by anything that you do. It is by my grace. It is by my mercy alone. He's a Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. He's a leader in the community. And Jesus says these words that, hey, you're trying too hard. It's because of me. And Jesus goes on to say this, you should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus says? You are Israel's teacher, says Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert... So the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. To Nicodemus, this is a puzzling statement because you see, Jesus hasn't gone on the cross yet. We can see right away what He's saying. But Jesus is causing Nicodemus to have to renew his mind, to really rethink everything that he believes, everything that he thinks of. And and the question I have for us as a church this morning is where's our thinking? Do we as a church think that we can work our way into heaven? Do you think that one day you're going to be able to be good enough based on what you have done? If you're living in that slavery, stop. You are all messed up people. And so am I. There's nothing we can do about that. But we know the one who can. And that's Jesus Christ, him crucified on the cross. And so if you're living under the tyranny of legalism, of believing that you can earn your way into heaven, stop. Stop. Because God loves you. In fact, Nicodemus is struggling with himself. And and, and he goes on, Jesus goes on to say these very famous words. 
to Nicodemus. He said, For God loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Wow. It's not by anything that you do, Nicodemus. It's by what I do on the cross. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. That word believe is a very key word in all of this. The demons know Jesus. I've heard a lot of people speak in their language. They know Jesus. But they don't believe in Jesus. It's hard because this story is so epic, this Nicodemus moment. And, and Jesus goes on and he says these words. Uh, he says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. He says in verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Man, and he's really nailing Nicodemus in this moment. He says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Listen to me. I don't care what beehive you have stormed, uh, messed up. I don't care what bees you've angered. I don't care what time of night it is. I don't care where you have been in life. I don't care what affair you have, what addiction you have. I don't care what sin you have committed. God loves you. He is that parent that is waiting up for you. He is that parent that runs and grabs the punishment, the beehive that we stir, and he takes it into the woods. He takes the stings. He takes the poison. He takes the pain. And he says, I've got this. It's okay. Not because of anything you've done, but because I love you. Do you catch that, church? I don't care what you have done this morning. You can be forgiven. Forgive yourselves. And I ask you this question. Are you knowing Jesus or do you believe in Jesus? Are you living in darkness or are you living in the light? Because Nicodemus was in the presence of Jesus Christ living in the darkness. And this morning you are in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I ask you that same question. Are you living in light or are you living in darkness? Jesus desires a relationship with you. He loves you. He is that parent that doesn't care. You can interrupt him. You can wake him up. You can be right in his face or you can knock a beehive down. Jesus is there for you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants us to accept him as our savior. He's the, he paid the price that you owe. So all you have to do this morning is, is a couple of things. You know, I love how Pastor Ed Glover says it like this. He says it's the ABCDs of accepting the faith. He says, first, we have to accept that we're, we're broken, fallen creatures in need of a Savior. Are you broken this morning? Are you in need of rescue? Well, listen, there's hope out there, people. All you need to do is believe that Jesus died for you and sacrificed himself for you. Do you believe in Jesus this morning? The C is to confess Confess those sins to him. Give them to God. And don't live as a slave to them anymore. You are forgiven. 
Your heavenly Father is waiting up for you at any moment for you to come to his bedside and say, Dad, I need you. He is the good Father and he is there. And D, finally, the last one, we need to decide to put him first in our lives. Once we let go of those things, we can't pick them up again. We've got to continue to strive to be like Jesus Christ. You know, it's beautiful because that story of Nicodemus, it ends. At the end of John, or in John there, it says, But men love darkness, and it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been through God. And the book of John then moves on to John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. We don't really hear about Nicodemus again, do we? Ah, but we do. Because you see, like some of us this morning who were in darkness, Nicodemus was in darkness. But there's a moment in the book of John in chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn there with me real quick. In John 19... We think Nicodemus has disappeared, right? This Sanhedrin, maybe he never got it. But you see in John 19, 38, it says these words. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. And with Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. In that moment, Joseph of Arimathea was no longer secret about his relationship with Christ. He stepped out in faith. But oh, look. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds. You see, Nicodemus had an encounter with Jesus Christ while Nicodemus was in darkness. But when Nicodemus decided to embrace the body of Jesus Christ on that cross and him crucified, Nicodemus stepped out of the darkness and he stepped out of the light. He didn't care what anybody else thought because he knew that he had a God in heaven that loved him, that could forgive him, and that that would cradle him and love him. And he believed that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And so this morning I ask you, do you simply know who Jesus is? Or have you stepped out of the darkness and embraced our Christ on the cross? Because guess what? The story of Jesus doesn't end there. Because as we all know, on the third day, he gets up and he defeats death. The battle is already won, church. When you sign up with Christ, you win. It's it's not a matter of of if we get to heaven. It's just a matter of when we get to heaven. And I look forward to seeing you all there, just as I look forward to seeing my friend Charles there. Because without a doubt in my mind, I know that he was not living in darkness. Are you living in darkness this morning? Step into the light. Because man, does it feel good to get washed clean. Amen, church? You know why we're telling you these things as pastors right now? So that you can believe. Father, we love you. We praise you for what you have done on the cross, the victory that you won, and the freedom that you give us from the bondage of sin. And we thank you that it is not because of any effort of our own, and we thank you that it is not because of of any guilt of our own, but it's because we are yours and you love us and you freely forgive us. It's your grace, it's your mercy, mercy, and all you ask is for us to put faith in you. 
So help us, God, each and every one of us. If we have questions, put people in our lives that we can ask those questions of. And if there's people in this room this morning that for the first time want to surrender it, the darkness to you, I pray that you would just break their hearts to find another brother or sister in Christ and talk to them about that. May they come talk to myself, Pastor Barry, Pastor Jared, whomever. What a delightful moment it is when we embrace, embrace you, Christ. So we thank you and we love you. In his name we pray. Amen.